listening to White Truck. Yeah. Hey, welcome everybody to What the Truck on this beautiful Friday afternoon from Freight Alley in downtown Chattanooga. I'm the dude, and joining me, as always, Dooner. What's up, my brother? <laughs> Took you a minute to get that one out there. You feeling? You feeling good? You feeling ready? You feeling roaring? You ready to go, Tiger? I, 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 I'm just so excited about the show. I guess it's distracting me, man. We got a great show today. Hey, have you checked? Uh, speaking of distractions, have you checked LinkedIn recently? A little bit of a civil war going on on LinkedIn because they've taken a cue from Instagram Stories and added their own LinkedIn Stories at the top of the feeds. I took a poll on uh, on LinkedIn. How do you think it felt? Uh, I bet there was some I, I skewed towards the detractors saying it's no, they shouldn't do it. It was, uh, it's about 60% for, uh, I mean, 60% against 40% for a lot of people worried about, you know, the Facebookization of, of LinkedIn and stuff like that. I think there's a use for it. I mean, I think you can fit it in somewhere. I used it to show off the closet. I, I did the morning minute. I feel like, I don't know, maybe we can show some behind the scenes stuff, show the studio once in a while. I think you can have like a good business case for it, especially for us in media. I think you definitely can. There's, there's no doubt about it, but I, I see, you know, the detractors that are out there. I mean, you, you pose the question, what do you think about it? The poll, I, I'm kind of indifferent. I'll, I'll give you my answer right here. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent with it. I can see where there's going to be some good use and I can see somewhere there's going to be people that are going to put some stuff up there and you're going to have people saying, keep it on Facebook. And I would tend to agree, but I won't get into those arguments. <laughs> and I, I stay out of those when I do see them anyways. Oh, hey, Wayne Craig's here, too. He's in Texarkana, Texas. And Rhonda is uh, she's moving from Arizona, by the way. So I know that you have homeschooled your kids for a long time. But for a lot of us, this is brand new. This work from home virtual schooling environment. I'm in that same situation. It's one of the reasons I I broadcast from here a lot, just because there's only so much coverage. My wife and I can do both working full time and looking after the kids. Well, here's a picture. I walked into my kid's room this morning to make sure he was in virtual class. And what do I see? He some, he pulled like a Ferris Bueller and put the cat in front of the laptop instead of himself. But I, I got to admit, I, I, I was not I wasn't I, like I had to compose myself because I thought it was hilarious. I couldn't even I couldn't like go and yell at him about it. But uh, what, what is your advice to sort of manage that at home learning time? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'd have to, first of all, I saw this on LinkedIn this morning, Dooner, and I, and I laughed out loud hard. That is absolutely hilarious. Very, very, very funny. And a great use of LinkedIn, I might add. Um, it'd be an interesting story. Uh, but my advice, listen, I'd have to have my wife call you, man. She deserves all the credit on the, on the homeschooling. But my advice for this particular, if you want it, is really, you know, just make sure your kid doesn't wear the cat suit to his virtual class anymore because that is awesome. <laughs> so Brian, Brian Rice says, keep all that nonsense off Facebook. He doesn't want to see your, he doesn't want to see your LinkedIn stories. Folks in the comments, you're all on LinkedIn. What do you think? Stories, are they good? Are they not? My, my argument for them would be that they're not intrusive yet. You know, they're just, at the top on the app yeah. on the top bar uh they don't get fit, fed into your newsfeed yet if they get fed into your newsfeed might have a bigger problem otherwise you know if people want to have a special section where they want to do that kind of stuff i don't see the problem yeah i, I tend to agree with you exactly right there i mean if, if, as long as i use facebook all the or facebook i use uh linkedin all the time and as long as it's not intrusive over what I want to be doing there my networking that i do there and, and business that i do there then then i, I have no issue with it whatsoever all right, man, we got a great show today. You know, this is the Freight Tech Power Hour, and there's a really good reason for that because we have maybe two of the best guests in America for a show like this. We're going to be talking about the state of freight tech 
in 2022. Dynamite leaders will get us up to date on what's new in freight tech and what's investable, right? The real meat and potatoes behind that stuff. It's Tracy Black from New Road Capital Partners and Tim Gagnon. He's the head of CH Robinson Labs. If you remember, Bob Beasterfield was on this show back in about January talking about that billion-dollar five-year investment into Robinson Labs, and it's already starting to yield some awesome results, including Procure IQ, which she will walk us through today. Tell us all about that. And also, Pilot Flying J will be on. They're going to talk about their uh, driver appreciation. A lot of us have been celebrating it for a week. They've been celebrating it for a month. So they'll tell us how that's gone, how drivers are being receptive to it, and all that kind of thing. But, man, let's uh, let's tip the band. Speaking of Pilot Flying J, September is Pro Driver Appreciation Month, and Pilot Flying J is celebrating with a free drink every day in the app. It's a different deal every day. So log in to see what's new. Don't miss out. See PilotFlyingJ.com for terms and conditions. Oh, uh, Martina, nice. Martina Rita, he says, it's not, if it's not intrusive, then it's okay. All right, sure. There we go. There you go. Uh, okay, so welcome to the top. This DHL supply chain price Marinix. Finally, finally, it moved a little bit. A little bit of bad news for carriers, slightly bad news. It fell down to an 80. If you recall, you're a longtime watcher of the show. You know that it seems like we've been stuck at 85 for at least a, a month or two now, right? But now it has fallen down yeah. to 80. The DHL Pricing Power Supply Chain Index, you're not familiar, just real quick. Zero represents full power for shippers in pricing. 100 means carriers. We use a bunch of different metrics within Sonar. And uh, right now, the report is saying that it's time to call the top, but it may also be meaningless. Freight volumes may have peaked, but they will remain elevated in double digits over at least the rest of the foreseeable future as we enter into peak season here on both air, ocean, and inland with these Christmas holiday season coming. Capacity, finally capacity is starting to become fundamental and when we get to good news bad news we're going to we're going to start talking too about how that's bleeding into driver pay yeah absolutely now you know i the app on tender volume index obviously it fell a little bit uh of uh, through last week and and into the first part of this week you know the decline was marginal though it's down 1.3 percent so the app on tender volumes haven't they haven't fallen off a cliff this is typical after after uh the labor day holiday and, you know, then you also have the outbound tender rejects that fell uh, more than 3% week over week. But you're still talking about one in four loads. And it did bounce back. And you've seen outbound tender volumes and outbound tender rejects start to pick up again, uh, really since Tuesday. A fairly decent increase in outbound tender volumes. And you've got those uh, outbound tender rejects nearing 26 again. Uh, so one in four being rejected and reefer refrigerator rejections are, are through the roof. It's, it's, uh, almost, almost half are being rejected. So, uh, there's a strong uh, argument for that 80 going back to possibly an 85 as for, we move forward. For the first time since April, national spot rates have declined week over week. This is a, uh, you know, that's why it moved down a little bit this week. Spot rates followed the slowing mm-hmm. tender rejections. It's only four cents down. It's still two ninety one. Uh, a mile, which is, and that's inclusive of fuel, which is uh, pretty good. Let's get to some headlines. We got to rush through these a little bit because we got to get to our guests, but. Boom. All right. These will be lightning hour. Peak season. We just mentioned it on the inland peak season for air cargo heats up to a full boil. The peak season of the peak season is in full swing for international air freight. For buyers, that means higher costs and delays in finding that capacity. 
Yeah, absolutely. So Southeast Asia and China exports markets are especially hot and could boil over in December. Spot rates out of China and North America started climbing again earlier this month as air capacity tightened and are approaching $6 per kilogram, according to the uh, TAC index. Trans-Pacific eastbound rates from Asia are even stronger at $8 per kilo to the West Coast and $9 per kilo to the East Coast. The spread between the two markets has increased from $2 to almost $4 per kilo in the past couple of weeks but it's expected to quickly narrow as air freight volumes from China start to grow during this peak season. Yeah. I mean the cat, Hey, and the capacity crunch would be even greater if not for a reduced forecast from the Sony PlayStation five. That's what uh, Eric Coolish has in his report. Sony announced that system on uh, November 12th, but they had to reduce quantities by 35% because of some delays with chip manufacturers. So that's interesting. Also, here's a real quick aside. Go to FreightWaves.com to, to catch all these stories. But it's about AI and hours of service. Pronto AI has failed to convince federal regulators that its technology is sufficient enough to allow for additional driving time during work shifts or would allow drivers to safely extend their 14-hour workday. Interesting story there. I think that this technology is not really mature enough to convince federal regulators that AI-assisted driving is, uh, is really enough to increase that 14-hour day. Yeah, there's there's not enough data to prove that it's there's not there's not a long enough history. There's not enough data to prove that stuff. Plus, you know, the, the arguments right from the get go were, hey, wait a minute. Uh, that means that if you're using Pronto AI, you've got an unfair advantage in the marketplace. And that was an argument as well. that I'd, I'm sure it didn't fall on deaf ears. You're going to see that this is a real truck. This is not a pusher. Here's some, here's some, here's some news for you. Workhorse delivery, van, workhorse delivery van traveled 160 miles on a single charge. So, you know, don't let Nikola completely uh, cloud your picture of the market. There are a lot of trucking startups that are doing that actually have product that are on the road and are making big waves. One of them is Workhorse, who they actually had a short sellers report come out against them, but they have rebounded since and they actually are making these products. Their C1000 delivery van. It, uh, it seems to be doing a good job. And, you know, Michael, I would think that in the delivery space, that's a little bit easier to enter than the semi truck space. If you notice, Tesla had battery day this week. Semi was on the lot, but the Tesla semi was not talked about. And I think it, they might be waiting for that stronger capacity to uh, their stronger battery capacity they're working on to be able to fit into that semi. Complete speculation, but that's kind of my thought on why you're not hearing more about the semi at this point. No, I'm totally on board with what you're saying. I think you're spot on. The the shorter haul, the van uh, market, the localized delivery, that type of stuff is is I would think is the first adoption. It's, you know, similar to AI, that type of stuff. But it, it, definitely with the power, it need less power. It's not as heavy of a, a vehicle to move, and you've got shorter distances you can contain, and you can keep that infrastructure for repowering uh, a lot easier than than long haul. So yeah, it makes sense. Let's say hello to Stephen Root. Let's see. Stephen Root, he's a senior manager of loyalty at Pilot Flying J. He's going to tell us all about what went on and what they've learned from this month-long driver appreciation week that Pilot Flying J has been sponsoring. Hey, Stephen, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? It's, it's going great. I, we're, you know, we had heard you. We've been talking about it all month. You've been doing the Pilot Flying J driver appreciation in the app. How's, it, uh, how's the response been to it? How's the usage been? How, what have drivers been saying? That kind of thing. Yeah, Pilot, we've been celebrating all month long, uh, really through our mobile app. So we've been offering a free drink every day. There's an offer for free showers all month. Uh, drivers can earn more points with Push for Points loyalty promo that, program that's in the app. Um, so far, uh, it's been really great. Um, I'd say Gatorade, Body Armor, free sodas have been really popular with drivers. Uh, drivers also really love every Monday there's a free Pilot coffee offer. 
Um, but there's still time to get in on the celebration. So we've got coming up, you know, a couple coffee offers, energy drinks, smart water, Pepsi, Gatorade. Um, so check out the app each day from now until September. You know, there's still time to grab some free drinks. That's excellent stuff, Stephen. So uh, as part of this year's driver appreciation, we saw that uh, pilot company came out with a with a video. Can you tell us a bit more about it and and why you decided to make this video? I mean, you guys know the last few months, I mean, it's really showed the world just how important professional drivers are to our economy, you know, really our day-to-day lives. Um, last year during driver appreciation, uh, we had really good feedback from this video that we made. It sort of imagined what a world would be like without pro drivers, you know, look around the room you're in, you know, people take for granted, everything is brought on a truck. So really good feedback last year. We wanted to do something again this year. Um, so we partnered with singer songwriter Ray Wally Hubbard to make a video that's called, uh, it's called make way. Um, the video depicts kind of pro drivers is this like modern day pioneers making way with each mile traveled. Um, I'm personally a fan. Um, he was really passionate about the project. Um, we thought his voice and the soundtrack were perfect for the video. So um, everybody out there, definitely go check it out on our Facebook page and uh, let, you know, let us know what you think. Yeah, Steven, you should have sent it to us. We've been a bit more than happy to play it. I, now I'm in, now I'm intrigued. I guess I'll have to go to your yeah. your Facebook page to to check it out. But it does sound interesting. We do do play it forward on this show, Stephen. So if you ever want to, you know, play banjo or something on here, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it up to Ray Wiley on that one. <laughs> okay, man. Well, you know, we're headed into the fall holiday season. It's peak season for drivers. More and more are going to be on the road. So driver appreciation month, awesome. You know, go great video out of it. But but what's next? Pilot Flying J always has to be thinking about what next for the drivers right oh yeah we're not letting up um so our push for points loyalty program has been running since april and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback you know drivers love being able to earn up to four points per gallon in the mobile app and we've got this busy holiday rush coming up so we want to continue to thank so kind of go from september driver appreciation into october um continuing the thanks with some exciting ways for drivers to earn more points so just for october drivers can earn up to five points per gallon with the mobile app so here's kind of how it works real quick. Um, you just download the app and log in. And then when you go in, you'll see an activate button. It's a big red button right there on the home screen. Um, so you can activate uh, the October promotion starting on September 29th. So it's really important to get in there and activate early on in the month. That way you have more days to, to earn more points. So once you activate, uh, on your first, you, you increase your earning level by a half a point with each fill. So First fill, you're in one point, then one and a half, then two, then two and a half. You know, it kind of keeps climbing all the way up to the maximum earning of five points per gallon for the rest of the month. So we really hope drivers get in there, get activated, take advantage of the promotion in October. Um, That way they can rack up a ton of points and, you know, save some money heading into the holidays, right? That's excellent stuff, Stephen. It sounds like you guys are doing a lot of stuff with this with this app. Have you have you seen more drivers using the app with the increase in the touchless technology due to COVID nineteen? And what other features are you guys uh, you know are, are are in the app for the drivers? There's definitely a, there's definitely a lot more folks checking out the app and and utilizing some of the features. Um, you know, today we talked about you know saving money with offers. We talked about earning more points, but there's also some really good utility features in the app too. Um, several of these time-saving features actually really help with social distancing, you know, as we kind of the new norm with this COVID situation. So for example, um, you can reserve a, a shower through the app. So from the comfort of your cab, just go into the app, reserve the shower. When your shower is ready, the app will notify you. It'll give you a code that unlocks the shower door. 
Um, so when you get that notification, you know, grab your stuff, um, head inside the store right up to the shower. So it minimizes waiting inside the store, helps with social distancing. Um, drivers can also use the mobile fueling feature, uh, minimizes touch points at the pump. Um, it also actually speeds up the process a little bit of fueling um, by storing the prompts in the app. And another, another key feature, too, are receipts. Um, so receipts are also available in the app. Um, that way you don't have to go inside the store and, you know, print your receipt from the kiosk. Uh, you can just open up the app and email receipts directly to, you know, wherever you need, need them to go. So, you know, really most drivers do have a My Rewards card and, and are part of our program. Um, it's, it's actually really fun when you, like, run into a driver with this, like, really old, like, original loyalty cards, like this badge of honor for how long they've been driving. Um, but really to, to get the most out of your My Rewards experience, it's all about, you know, keeping that same card, um, but just loading it in the mobile app. And, and once you do that, it just really unlocks so much more value. Martin Urita in the comments, uh, I hope I said your last name right, Martin. He says, Pilot Flying J should consider a massage chair on site and add points for minutes in chair. I don't know if uh, Pilot Flying J has thought about adding massage chairs, but Martin would certainly be sitting it trying to collect some points. Hey, that's a great idea. We'll add it to the list. I, you know what I do like? I love the touchless technology, though, because like even before COVID, like I remember when McDonald's started putting those like the touch screens in. I'm like, I'm about to eat. I don't really want to touch a screen. I love that. Like so many sites are now converting to allowing you to use your phone instead of actually having to touch like a communal touch screen. I, I'm not like a huge hypochondriac. It just grosses me out, though. Yeah, it's definitely um, advanced the use of a lot of these a lot of these features um, in this environment we're living in today, for sure. Wow. So if people want to uh, want to learn more, they want to get this app, Stephen, where, what, where do they go? Where do we send them to? Yeah, so definitely text, check out our Facebook page and check out that video. Um, you can go to our website, but, uh, you know, go down, go to the app stores, download the Pilot Flying J app and, uh, you know, get ready to go. Uh, early hey. activation for October starts on the 29th. Stephen, hey, hold, hold on a yeah. second there, Stephen. Hey, Dooner, they, they've got the uh, video queued up. I just got a message. If oh, we they, want to take they, a look at that. You guys quick. have the video. Okay, let's play the video. If, if we have it, I, this will be my first time yeah, seeing we've it. Got in it our Stephen. 200 years ago, a few brave souls traveled into unknown lands to make their fortune and to make their mark on the world. Today, that same pioneer spirit is still around. But now, the covered wagons are a whole lot bigger, and they're pulled by 600 horses at a time. They don't just carry food, supplies, and equipment. They carry hope to the front lines, courage to the battlegrounds, and a path forward through uncertain times. With every mile traveled, they make a way for us to live out the American dream. And now, it's time we made way for them. thing and it had like that twang to it too he was like driving them miles in the country i like that yeah it's great <laughs> well actually I, i'm glad we were able to cue that up and share it but if you guys didn't catch it you can also check it out on their facebook page and uh and get into it and download the app steven thanks again thank one thank you one more time for uh your time today thanks great great talk to you guys you as well take care wow uh, you know the ex- exciting stuff i like that video you know looking at the road yeah, it was pretty cool. I, it sounded like uh, you were uh, narrating that video. I think I think you could pull off that voice. You know, in a world six, of... 600 horses at a time, Dooner. On a dusty highway, I was driving my truck. 
<laughs> I, you know, I like it. We're going to call Tracy Black in a second, but you know, we have a good comment here. Martin, he has another good comment. Martin, you are like the MVP of the comment section today. If any of you think you can compete with him, try and ask better questions than he has because he's, he's just nailing it today. Martin says, what are drivers doing who have to drive into conflict areas in the United States? Uh, I'll answer it first. From what I've heard, you know, this, that's a lot of that is up to dispatch and uh, routing and, and deciding which ways they should go. I, uh, I have heard on Road Dog, smaller carriers have had a little bit more trouble with uh, managing uh, how exactly they're sending drivers in this. Of course, near the beginning of some of these uh, protests, you had seen uh, drivers like a, what was in, in uh, Minnesota, where the driver had ended up mm-hmm. in an area that was shut off. He, he didn't get the warning in time, put him in a very bad situation. But I think that carriers are getting a little bit better. But still, in a lot of ways, it's up to them to decide where dispatch is going to send you, isn't it, Michael? Well, I think it is, but I think, uh, you know, the larger carriers or most carriers, I think, have have what what I've heard and seen is kind of leaving it up to those drivers in certain areas. They want to keep them out of those areas. So they're they're advising them not to. But as you pointed out, some of the smaller uh, carriers may not have that intelligence or the communication to do that. As you pointed out, that driver, you know, wound up in the wrong area. But I think it's up to the driver if they recognize it or feel unsafe, they can, you know, get out. It's a safety type of issue. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, that advisor not going in there. Yeah, I have to agree. You know, uh, ultimately, you are driving the truck. So just make sure, you know, dis- if there are fail points and there yeah. are dispatch could be a fail point, uh, you know, intelligence at your carrier could be a fail point or one of these things could crop up, you know, as you're driving, you don't have time to get the info. So if you think you might be heading into one, just double check the new your the local news in the area and see what's going on. But let's call out to Tracy Black. Now she's uh she's from New Road Capital Partners, but is also on the the board with Emerge the Platform Science. Tracy, Tracy, this is Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck. It is an honor to have you on the air with us today. Hey Tim, how are you? <laughs> we're we're really good. There's so much here, like there, there's so much meat on the bow when I'm looking in your background, and there's so much excitement going on. But I guess before we just jump into this new fund, this third fund you're working on, just give uh, our audience a little intro into your background. Sure. Yeah, I've got 30 years experience in logistics, supply chain technology. Um, I'm a computer science engineer from the University of Arkansas, and I joined ArcBest um, as a software engineer for a couple of years out of school. And then I spent a 28-year career at JB Hat Transport. So I started as um, the 20th person in IT when Hunt only had 500 over-the-road trucks. And when I retired three years ago, um, they had five different billion-dollar-plus business segments, and we had 1,200 people in IT. So wow. I got to be part of uh, creating intermodal, dedicated brokerage, final mile, and I got to help define the IT strategy for each. So, um, you know, the last few years I was there, led our digital transformation, creating the JB Hunt 360 platform. Um, and now I've retired three years ago and now working as an operating partner for, for New Road Capital Partners. That's awesome stuff, Tracy. I, I noticed, Tracy, you didn't you didn't mention the Taj Mahal elephants or Bollywood dancing. Was that an oversight? Lot, yeah, lots of great times in uh, India. I had a software development team over there and, and went once or twice a year and so I got to tour a lot of the country with uh, with my partners there. So I, <laughs> what what's the story behind the wing of a building being having your name on it, Tracy? Are you allowed to talk about that, or is that that behind closed doors? Yeah, they they had a, a great um, so the part the technology firm that I partnered with was Cognizant, and they had some uh, you know 
uh, great traditions when when we would come um they would uh have like the paparazzi there <laughs> welcoming you and as we enhanced and and did a big new investment with them to, we built up our team to about 500 people there we created a new building to house the jb hunt team and and so we had a, a groundbreaking ceremony a ribbon cutting ceremony and a paparazzi was taking pictures with with all of us as we we got that new uh, team started. Tom Curry in the comments from Kingsgate, he says, I can only imagine the stories Tracy could tell. You know, the first story I want to know is what is that like going to the venture capital side of the business from being with, you know, more traditional carriers working in IT? Because if I understand correctly, one of your roles and responsibilities with New New Road is to do some of that due diligence in IT and bring that expertise with you. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's been a, a great transition. It's letting me put my uh, technology background to, to work. And I get to see all these innovative companies that are disrupting disrupting the industry and solving problems that have been out there for a while. And it, it's that I get to, you know, look at 40 different companies that are trying to uh, solve the same problem and help pick which one is, is the best one that's going to be the winner in the space. So, um yeah, that's excellent stuff, Tracy. I, I, I so you just recently won uh, the Northwest uh, Arkansas Women uh, in Business Award, correct? Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, it's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal. Um, I think it's been about six years now. We'll, we'll annually um, we'll take nominations, and they recognize uh, ten women for um, their leadership in the business community and and things that they've brought to the Northwest Arkansas uh, community. So, um, Tracy, I got a question for you. So what should, like, if there are companies out there, they're looking to raise funding, they're looking to partner in the venture space, especially if they're newer, they're not really familiar. What should they know about approaching venture capital? And especially from, you know, if there's people like you that are going to be doing due diligence, they need to have all their ducks in a row. You know, they don't want you, they don't want you uncovering anything bad. So how do you prepare to approach uh, New Road? What would you advise people? Yeah, so, you know, at, at New Road, we just closed our third fund. It's $175 million, and 60 to 75% of that will be invested in the logistics and supply chain space. And so, you know, we're, we're looking for companies that – we're growth capital, so we're looking for companies that already have a product and a customer base established and – you know, four to five million in ARR, and then we really apply our growth capital to help them accelerate growth. And um, when we're talking to companies, we're, a lot of it, you're you're betting on the leadership. You know, you've got to have um, a good CEO, a good founder that's, you know, surrounding themselves with strong skill sets and um, ready to take, you know, advice and mentoring from from people that have really have experience and have done it in the business and, and will partner with you. So we, we, we look for people that, um, you know, they can describe what's innovative and unique about them and, and where they have a moat around their business versus competitors. Um, and really, uh, you know, showing being able to show what that growth trajectory is like. So Tracy, are there are there any businesses there when you're looking for uh, or specific verticals within business that you in particular get excited about when you're when you're looking for these uh, these new technologies, these new companies, these new business leaders to invest in? Yeah, um, yeah, 
in the logistics supply chain space, we, we our first two investments on a fund three were uh, platform science and emerge. I know a lot of the freightways audience has heard about them, but you know, I, I really got excited about platform science because it it wasn't just an ELD telematic provider. It was, you know, disrupting how people thought about that space. But at its core, they're an open source integrator and an enabler of any kind of third party app that that needs to go on the truck or that the, the driver needs for his day. And, you know, just this last quarter, they've added over 17 different uh, third-party partners onto their platform. Um, and they're, they're enabling large enterprise fleets like Schneider and Werner. Um, they'll be announcing a very large private fleet uh, shortly. But, you know, the, the Daimler partnership they did is something that was really innovative and, and leading in um, getting that platform science software on the truck um, as it's coming out of the factory. Um, so, you know, the telematic space was an area that we specifically set out. To, you know, we, we looked for who's going to be the leader in that space. Um, with Emerge, we probably talked to 40 different digital freight brokerages. Um, and uh, Emerge has a, a free RFP system that lets you bring your own carrier network with you. And they're getting a, a ton of traction during COVID. Um, you know, the dynamic RFP and the mini bid process. Because, like, beer is going to grocery stores now versus the stadiums. And so lane volatility is high and it's driving the need for new pricing and capacity. Um, but they they're also have a full RFP process that you know, they're, they're building out real-time lane market benchmarking using data from sonar and, and DAT to be able to predict when you should go to bid. So, um, you know, we, Emerge was doing stuff differently than the others that we talked to. Um, you know, we're talking to people in the final mile space. We're, we're talking to micro fulfillment and warehouse automation. Um, we're, we're announcing our next investment uh, next week that'll be a, a digital transformation kind of story in the uh, ocean shipping kind of space so um, really anything that's uh, kind of solving those efficiency kind of problems in that transportation and supply chain space is what we're looking at well Tracy Tracy, we've run out of time, but I have one quick question for you. I'm an avid Shark Tank watcher. Is pitching in the uh, the freight tech VC space, is that anything like what we see on Shark Tank? Are you guys just lined up in chairs and we're, we're sitting there on a stage? <laughs> well, a lot of what I'm doing with uh, uh, Endeavor is, is a group that I'm working with that's doing startup pitches, and it is kind of, you know, one after the other, and you, you've got this panel of experts that are, you know, at Counting even different questions. Um, so it is a little bit of like start thing. <laughs> well, Tracy, congratulations on the on wow. the next fund. I know you're putting 60 to 70% towards logistics and supply chain space. That's super exciting to people like us on this end. And uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, guys. Wow. Exciting stuff. I mean, that, 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 that big money stuff, a little higher level than, uh, than what I deal with. Fortunately, I don't have to fund these things or make those decisions. You know, I do, I do play the stock market <laughs> a little bit. I'm a Robin Hooder. Are you a Robin Hooder? <laughs> I'm a Robin Hooder. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I guess slightly, so. slightly different league, I think. Well, you know, I'm still an investor in some things. Yeah. 
<laughs> let's call let's call Tim Gagnon now. He's the head of Robinson Labs and vice president of analytics and data science over at uh, CH Robinson. So I was super excited to hear what yeah. he has to say. I mean, they talk about money. Talk about being back. That Robinson Labs has a, what, billion-dollar five-year investment. So I'll be really curious to hear. Curious. What... Hey, Tim. Hi, good morning. Hey, Tim, thanks for joining Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck today. We're happy to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? We were just uh, we were kind of just setting the table for you. We were talking about Robinson Labs. We had a uh, Bob. We had Bobby Bob Beasterfield on in uh, in January talking about that really exciting announcement of putting a billion dollars into Robinson Labs. I'm sure for for someone in your position that had to be excellent news. Um, and you know we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. You're starting to yield some of it. One of its procure IQ. But uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, guys. And you're right. Yeah, it is an exciting time and. You know, we have, you know, a lot going on for sure. But, you know, I I think a good way to kind of kick things off is to reference back to Bob's messaging around our continued investment in technology and and ramped up investment. And and we got a ton going on in labs and we look forward to talking about it. Well, you did send us a video of Procure IQ. So let's play that for the audience real quick so they can get some context to what we're talking about. Uh, Roll the clip production. Why is it that in an era of so much technological innovation, you have to purchase truckload freight the same way people were doing it decades ago? At C.H. Robinson, our mission is to improve the world's supply chains, and that begins with showing shippers how they fit into the largest community of freight. Introducing Procure IQ. Instead of a one-size-fits-all strategy for your freight, Procure IQ leverages C.H. Robinson's unrivaled network of over 200,000 shippers and carriers, the largest supply chain data set in the industry. Using that information advantage, Procure IQ gives you a new, powerful picture of your shipping network, unlocking smarter solutions for each of your lanes. It maps out the density of the regions you're shipping into and out of, leveraging advanced data science and technology built by and for supply chain experts to bring you network transparency for increased savings and reliability. Buy different. Buy smarter. Procure IQ from C.H. Robinson. I got to say, Tim, it, that looks very sharp. That's a very sharp looking system you guys have put together now. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. What is it? What isn't it? How do we utilize it as, uh, as shippers or carriers? Sure. Yeah, thanks Thanks for those kind words. You know, we're, it, it's really an analytical tool, as you can see, just through the video there, it, it focuses on data visualization and recommendations for shippers. You know, uh, it really starts with the data, of course, like any analytical tool that centers around a shipper's freight network, but also aligned with Robinson's community of data that's fueled by over 200,000 carriers and customers and, you know, all the attributes associated with shipments with really tens of millions of data points that are are factored into the work that we do. So it is about bringing the data, the community of data together, making recommendations, and then really most importantly, driving a conversation that usually is fueled by an RFP process, at least in the current state, but uh, ultimately starts to veer into, you know, how we might challenge some of the historical approaches that we've had to procurement. So there, it, it is a, a tool that allows us to kind of efficiently and effectively navigate a lot of data and get to conversation that focuses on ways to improve. 
Thanks for that, Tim. So a uh, billion dollars invested into technology and development, et cetera. You guys went for Procure IQ uh, straight out of thing. Was this a reaction to demand from your customers that you guys see? Yeah, in part, for sure. You know, I, I think you guys know about this, and, and most do, that I mean, Robinson's got a big book of, you know, contractual truckload business. We respond to you know, thousands of RFPs on an annual basis and have the opportunity to, to respond to over $50 billion of trade opportunity on an annual basis. So it's a big part of the work we've done for years and years, for sure. And we've got an ecosystem of products. And, you know, it, most of those products have been fairly internally oriented through time. And, you know, given the challenges that 2020 has presented to us, but but not only 2020, the last four years have been sort of a crazy ride of ups and downs and, you know, faster moving markets than we've seen historically. And again, referencing back to the commitment that Bob and Robinson's made to making sure that the investment we're making in technology benefits our customers and carriers, uh, you know, we're kind of the perfect combination of the work we do historically in high volume and the pressures of the marketplace this year kind of led to, you know, the, the work we do in labs is not always planned out. When we get started, we don't necessarily know it's going to land in a product like Procure IQ. But given what we've seen yet in 2020 and the fact that we have had dozens of conversations with customers of all shapes and sizes around how we navigate the markets, the product came to life and we accelerated the investment really for the benefit of our customers, given the circumstances of 2020. You know, Bob said that this tool is not a replacement for the traditional RFP approach. It's really a strong complement. Can you uh, add a little bit more color to that? Yeah, sure. You know, I, I, you know, the RFP process is, is, has served the industry well and continues to, uh, but there are some parts of the process that challenge us. You know, for one, it, it oftentimes is a fairly rigid process, and it's hard to stereotype or, or characterize a one-size-fits-all way to uh, talk about RFPs. But generally speaking, they're annually based, and they're, the technology is facilitated and, and not necessarily fluid and flexible. So. You know, I, I, it, we certainly have built ProcureIQ in part to effectively respond to an RFP, but then also some of the recommendations that are positioned challenge some of the traditional processes by really diving into the details of the network, the attributes of the freight to really uh, try to develop strategies, some of which, again, don't necessarily yield them or lend themselves to an annual commitment. You know, it could be that it is a a sparse lane or not a lot of volume that you need a different tactic to execute. And uh, there's a lot of really good tactics that are bubbling up and it's leading to good conversations. We got a lot of initiative in flight to to really try to improve upon things. So that's, uh, you know, we respect the RFP process. It's a big part of how shippers go to market, but like, you know, all companies we're trying to find, ways to improve that process. And that's what Procure IQ is all about. Very, very, very interesting. I love the disruptive nature of it. And and obviously it fits in with all the advances in technology and use of data that we're seeing explode in, in our industry. How's the adoption of this? Is Are, are you finding uses, uh, people using this already right now? Are they, they adopting it pretty quickly? Yeah, you know, in the, call it the early innings, we, we announced labs in January and have been 
you know, formalizing our efforts around, you know, innovation and R and D very in a very customer centric way. And so, as I've mentioned, we've had dozens of engagements with customers and in the early innings, it wasn't about procure IQ it was about tackling some of the challenges the markets presented to us. And, and we've kind of bundled our work into this area that we, we definitely have had really good traction, but we're now just starting to call it go to market. You know, we, we had the release on Tuesday in forums like this that are, are getting the message out. It's been a really busy week. Our, our team is uh, responding to a lot of interest that, that we have. So, uh, you know, in terms of how we get to market, we're really just in the early innings, but we've had a lot of traction to date and we're excited to continue to, to work with our customers to, to execute in, in this platform. And, um, you know, I'm sure that the story will, will become, you know, kind of more comprehensive as we get more and more customers engaged in the platform. You know, I'm fascinated by Robinson Labs, the whole thing behind it, the process there. So let's dive into that a little bit, because in some ways you have a really interesting job. You're tasked with disrupting your own company, right? You're tasked with disrupting the own processes that happen within CH Robinson and in turn within the industry. That's an interesting approach. So how do you, what is your approach to that? And how do you decide what is good technology to, to start developing and incubating and work on in Robinson Labs? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's a good way to characterize it. You know, Robinson has been around for 115 years, so we we really have a culture of innovation and really challenging the way we do things. It hasn't always been as technologically oriented as it has been over the last decade. Our work in labs is, you know, it, it does include, you know, disrupting ourselves internally as well and how we do what we've done historically. and what you know has been really cool to see over the last several years is really the you know the momentum that we're building change is always hard but you know for us within Robinson we're we're committed to it like i said you know historically our culture has always been to adapt and and we're doing a good job of it and you know i, I would say that we're getting better and better all the time at how to kind of rationalize and prioritize all the various opportunities that we have to work on things within labs. It's not an easy process because the list continues to grow, but, you know, putting the target on improving customer outcomes, solving the most difficult challenges as well as carrier outcomes in the same light has really been the guiding light for us or the North star. So all of our prioritization steers in that direction within labs. And then we work from there. And, you know, as we talked about with Procure IQ, some of it is just forced by what is happening in the here and now, although not everything we're doing is is near-term centric. We've got some long-term initiatives in flight that are pretty exciting as well. So as you go through that process, Tim, of, you know, you, you, you've got your, your general North Star and you're going through there. Walk us through that boiling down process, uh, if, you, if you can, uh, how you decided on Procure IQ or future projects? How, how is that decision made that this is one we're going after right here? What are what are the inputs and and, and decision processes that go through? Yeah, so it, admittedly, a lot of the work that we have is really focused on some of our largest customers, our most strategic relationship. The work we do in labs is is pretty innovative, and and it really requires a, a strong 
collaborative relationship and, and sometimes a strong stomach as well, because failure is uh, a possibility and, and in many cases, a probability given that we're trying things for the first time. So we've been working with our largest, most strategic customers in the space for the most part to date. And that, you know, obviously they're very important relationships and we have a high level of accountability to drive improvement. So that that's usually the starting point for our work is working with our largest customer. And that drives a pretty high priority in our universe as well. But when we start to see traction and momentum, like we did in call it the procurement space and how we navigate the fast changing markets of 2020, we start to think a little bit more holistically and start to wrap our minds around how we might scale it, how we could benefit more and more of our customers with what we're learning. And that formula, as I talk about it through the lens of Procure IQ, is something that we try to keep in mind in really all the work that we do, whether it be customer or carrier oriented. We've got, you know, we're, you know a lot of work going on in the visibility space. Tracy was talking some about that in her commentary just before I came on that you know, there's there obviously a lot of importance in that area. We've got a lot of work happening in the sustainability space with carbon footprint, which is frankly a little bit more foundational in today's world as we work to kind of build the baselines and get some standardization. A lot of work in the area of automation as well. So um, our large customers drive what we do in this space. And if we can build momentum and scale solutions and have the opportunity to really change the industry. That, that's what motivates our team, that we've got a really talented team of folks behind these products that get excited about that type of opportunity. So you, you hatched the idea in the lab, it, it's incubating. How do you decide when it's ready for it to really be stress tested? It's, it's ready for prime time. This is the right time to launch a Procure IQ or whatever's next on the horizon for labs. Yeah, you know, it, we've built technology and solutions like this for years and years, so we've got a pretty good process. You know, it, it starts out in our incubator, and we're moving pretty quickly. But, you know, there is a process by which we scale solutions at Robinson, and, and we've got, you know, a high priority around moving as quickly as we can to do that. But there is some formality, like like any organization, if there's going to be an investment, and there's certainly has been not only with labs, but certainly with Procure IQ, where we have, there's a case to be made and a process that, you know, the, the leadership uh, weighs in on and, and we bring those opportunities and, and we get the clearance and, and frankly, the the opportunity to spend to build these solutions. So it, it is something that, you know, frankly, because of the nature of labs, there is a, a foundational expectation to move pretty quickly and, and we're able to do that. I mean, I, I think about, Procure IQ. We've been working on it for months, but the decision to launch a product and do what we're doing here really was just made a few months ago. And so it requires the ability to move pretty quickly. And, and we've developed a pr- process that allows for that. So Tim, a, a, a question from uh, one of one of the uh, audience there, Tom Curie, who asks, uh, what freight tech has you uh, the most excited? You know, I, I would say that, you know, the, in our work, which oftentimes is in the area of analytics and science is a big part of what we do within labs. And then, you know, we, we build it out for scale, but, you know, leveraging 
you know, what I'll call non-traditional tools, open source tools, and more community oriented development has been, has really fueled our ability to get to market with solutions that make a difference pretty quickly. And, you know, that's a big, broad ranging category, but we've really, you know, focused on being able to leverage, you know, uh, what I'd call somewhat non-traditional resources to be able to get to market. And, you know, if I, I think about what is ProcureIQ that we've developed, you know, our shiny is kind of the backbone of it. It's not a traditional BI tool or a tool that we've used to bring to market, but it's a, it's a tool that served us really well to get to market quickly, develop great visualizations, but also be able to tell a story and drive a great conversation. So I think it's really the, our ability to access tools and collaborations that allow us to move faster has really been, you know, it's something that continues to excite me and our team. And, uh, you know, there's tons of potential for all kinds of tools to make a positive impact on our businesses today. You've announced a number of products. You have integrations uh, with Navisphere Multimodal Trend with, with Navisphere TMS. You have a uh, 19 leading uh, TMS enterprise resources planning ERP systems partnered with Microsoft to integrate Navisphere with Microsoft's Azure platform. And uh, you're working in the IoT environment. So a lot going on. So I guess my last question for you before we, we let you go is uh, what kind of cadence do you guys have over there for releasing products or is it just uh, is it just as they're ready? Yeah, it, it is as they're ready, but as we've talked about throughout, the cadence is faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Procure IQ, like you've just mentioned, is one of many products in the pipeline. And we've got, and I mentioned a few of them, many other, the category that we put them in is smarter solutions in the pipeline. And our goal is to, to move faster and faster on that. I, I don't think that, you know, we necessarily have a quota to hit that says we want to deliver one a quarter. Although it seems as if that that's been, you know, our ability to do that. You know, Robinson has huge breadth, of course, and we've got a lot of investments in many different areas. But we definitely have intention about moving faster, largely again driven by both the opportunity that technology and science offers us, but also the needs and priorities of our business and the business of our customers and our carriers, of course. Well, Tim, we'd like to congratulate you. It, it, I mean, just those announcements there with BQIQ, it seems like you're already building a lot of momentum in a pretty short time in a very tough year. Very exciting stuff on the horizon. For our listeners who want to learn more about IQ, where should we send them? Yeah, the best reference is chrobinson.com slash IQ. So that'll kind of get you access to that video you saw at the opening, as well as the opportunity to contact us via email or by phone as well. So that would be the best best way to reach out. Wow. Bounty of riches in freight tech these days, and it's only going to get better, and the cadence is only going to get faster, Tim, in part because of guys like you and, and girls like uh, like Tracy, who was on earlier. So we want to thank you all for uh, for helping build this space out. We appreciate it, Tim. Yeah, thank you very much. Great talking to you guys. Have a good weekend as well. Wow. Uh, Thanks, you know, whew, big money pouring into that, you know, big money from New Road Capital Partners, big money pouring in from C.H. Robinson, a lot of different offerings. But you know what? I, I'm trying to think back to our Global Trade Tech Summit and the Carrier Summit before that. And the big themes have been collaboration, right? Because you need that data. You need that data to build out all these different systems. And he kind of he kind of hinted at it when he was like, you know, I, I think in the analytics and the science and the data of it. And that's the bedrock. That's the foundation. 
Yeah, it certainly is. You, you got to have the collaboration. You have to have the transparency and the sharing of that data, obviously, to build these type of AI and machine learning into it, especially, you know, I mean, the procure IQ, looking at all the various different lanes and deciding which ones are, which ones are contract, which ones aren't, and, and going through that entire process, uh, reevaluating what has worked for many, many years in the RFP system. Maybe it's broken. Um, it takes a lot of collaboration. It takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of data. Let's start with some good news, Michael. Vince, you got a two-week supply of black licorice. Are you getting hungry? No, I don't like black licorice. Let's, can you just <laughs> role play? play yeah, I love it. That's awesome. That's great news. <laughs> yes, I love black licorice. Well, here's the bad news. You died. You died. According to the AP, according to the AP, a Massachusetts construction worker, th- this guy, he loved black licorice, right? So he was eat. He and here's the sad part of the story. He's a 50 year old guy. He's and he's he loves candy. He was eating red licorice vines. He was eating a bag and a half a day. Eventually, he switches to black licorice about two or three weeks before he died. And he starts eating the black licorice, this Herbio uh, black licorice. He's eating that bag and a half a day, about two and a half ounces of it. So not like an excessive amount. I mean, that's probably a bad habit with the, the sugar, but probably not something you think would kill you. But think again, there's something called glycerzic acid within uh, black licorice that I guess causes uh, potassium. It causes your potassium levels to drop. It causes nutrient imbalances. And in his case, it caused him to drop dead from a heart attack. Wow. That that's uh, no wonder I don't like black licorice. <laughs> I mean, who'd think, wow, that, right? That's, that, that, dude, two ounces of black licorice a day for two weeks could cause a heart rhythm problem. I, I know. It seems like there should be a warning. I mean, that's, I mean, the, the company who makes licorice said, you know, we're following FDA guidelines. You can only put, um, you know, three milligrams or however much it is per uh, ounce or, you know, what, whatever it could be. But um, I, I didn't, now I know about this. I didn't know about this before though. If I like got a lot of black licorice for Halloween or something, you know, good thing. It's not that popular. You know, if it was Sour Patch Kids, yeah, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. If they were like milk duds, I, I'd been dead years and years and years ago. Wow. That's, that is bad news. Black licorice can kill you. Wow. But hey, I'll follow it up with some good news, my friend. In what appears to be the opening salvo in what could be a battle of truckload carriers seeking to hang on to and increase their driver-based truckload carrier Schneider National this week announced a pay increase, Dooner. So those drivers are getting a pay increase. What do you think about that? Uh, You know, well, it sounds like a little bit of deja vu from a couple years ago. It certainly does, because the bad news is, my friend, that this could kick off yet uh, another driver bidding war arms race, which could make operating profits that make harder for carriers, right? And we did see this reach an extreme level, like you said, 2018, followed by a wave of bankruptcies then in 2019, as costs went up, freight levels came to come off. So uh, the bad news is it could be knocking a rock down a very slippery slope. Yeah, I mean, like 2019 was rife with all of those bankruptcies. We have them on FreightWaves.com. It was sad to see, and a lot of them were fueled by those big bonuses, that big driver pay. And it's always a tough position in in freight when you're talking about when you're talking about pay. When you talk to most drivers, when when you talk about how they're paid, they're usually not even talking necessarily about the number. More so, they're like, "What I'd really like, my real demand would be detention times to be shorter, so we can keep our trucks actually moving." Um, yeah. uh, do, do you think the arm, arms race is coming though? It seems like Schneider's kicked it off. And when one of the big, you know, the big leaguers starts doing that, a lot of other companies follow suit just to compete. 
Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. It's going to start some type of arms race, whether it goes full-blown or even if what 2018 happened there was full-blown. But if it gets to that level or not yet, it remains to be seen. But, yeah, there'll be definitely ripple effects and and, and uh, reaction to this that will be the same thing. Causes turnover as well, my friend. You know, people, can, they could drop their truck and go oh, yeah. get a signing bonus somewhere else. Oh, yeah. They keep jumping ship. And, you know, you can't really blame them because that's yeah. how the industry's kind of been set up. You know, there's there's guys who've been through the ringer. They've been put out in the cold when, uh, you know, when capacity was down. And, uh, you know, now they're yeah. now they're out, now they're ready to get paid. <laughs> and that's and the cycle uh, continues and continues. Tom Curry says that anyone giving out black licorice for Halloween should be arrested. Uh, Rhonda says that's an <laughs> awful way to learn. And and Nico says, good thing it tastes disgusting. So it's not going to happen much yet. It sort of has a uh, a natural defense mechanism built into it. Here's a here's yeah, see, I'm not alone in my distaste for black licorice. <laughs> I the worst thing ever is the uh, buttered popcorn jelly belly. Like, why do they put that with a bunch of fruit flavors? It's uh, it's terrible. I would rather have black licorice yeah. than a than a butter popcorn jelly belly. <laughs> That's a solid point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about no argument. <laughs> Good news, according to the Verge, the latest so home security man uh, and Amazon with their purchase of Rain, they have like the largest home surveillance network on Earth or in the United States at least. But according to Verge, Ring, uh, the Ring's latest home security camera is going to take flight. Literally, they have this uh, this drone that isn't an outdoor. It's going to fly around your house. It's two hundred and fifty dollars. It can fly around your rooms. You can uh, you can tell it where to go. You know, sounds exciting. I guess if you want that kind of security in your house. But the bad news is that if you think it's creepy, it's let it, it's yet another intrusion. Uh, cats, children, hackers, personal privacy could all be enemies of this uh, this Ring Home drone. Do you uh, you think you're going to deploy one around your house? If I had one, I would have known when my kids snuck away and let the cat go to class instead. I would get one if I could like summon it and then give it a message to go send to somebody like, Hey, can you go tell uh, my wife to go bring me a beer <laughs> or something? You know, that would, that would, then, I, then I'd probably deploy it in my house. Oh, like you're your, uh, your own personal assistant robot. Um, yeah. Here, here's another one. We've been talking about it, and this even made it into our air freight report, but the console wars have been heating up. I talked about my PlayStation 5 because I had a personal interest of getting a pre-order myself, but the Xbox series one X also went for went on sale for pre-orders this week. It, it's kind of a confusing product line because Xbox has the Xbox Series X, but they also have the Xbox One X. And this led to a lot of confused parents and buyers going to Amazon as the Xbox One X, which is the older system, not the newer one, kids and people are likely asking for, sales of those soared 750% on Amazon. You think those names are a little bit too close? Xbox One X and Xbox Series X? Could be a marketing ploy. I mean, I was confused until when I read this until you just explained it to me. I had no clue which X was which X to tell you the truth. <laughs> too, too many X's, right? And then they also they also have an, yeah. they also have an Xbox Series S, which is like a lighter weight version of the former Xbox One. I think it's their next iteration. But then there's also a problem with that because there's also an Xbox One S. Confusing time to be a parent. Uh, I put this in here, hopefully helping some of you out here who might be buying some for a loved one, a boyfriend, your kids, your girlfriend, whoever it may be, just be careful with those Xboxes. It's very easy to get confused between yeah, the, uh, the, the S. The S there isn't for plural Xboxes. It's Xbox S. So you may not, you're not getting a bundle of two of them, right? No, you're not. Hey, coming up on radio tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern time, 3 to 5 p.m. Seri- ah, there we go. Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Follow him, Vincent the Dune Radio. Channel 146, 3 to 5. Peace and love.